Welcome everybody, my name is Pav Bryant, I'm Performance Director and Co-Founder here at Spokes and you are listening to Be Spoked and usually this is where I say the cycling and triathlon training podcast but today we're breaking that mould because we've got a ultra runner with us. Uh, we've had many requests for something or someone along these lines uh, so I went out and I looked at who we could find who would fit that ultra running trail running mold and i'm delighted to say we have a real legend today in carl Meltzer. carl how are you doing i'm doing great pav uh i just you know get back from my training run and i'm just kind of relaxing right now and things are going pretty well for me so far this winter and you know looking forward to 2020 fantastic and how long was your run today uh, whopping three miles. <laughs> um, not very far. I, uh, I've had a, I, I ran a hundred miler on December 8th and I've had a little, uh, few issues with my IT band. So I'm kind of just, um, kind of getting back slowly. So I don't, I don't want to feel that thing hurt anymore. So I'm kind of just slowly coming back, but, uh, it's going well though. So, you know, I'll be ramping it up here pretty soon. Good stuff. Good to hear. And obviously speedy recovery on that uh, on that sort of little niggle that you've got there. So for the listeners uh, who are going to be very interested, not everybody's going to have seen your documentary. I watched it. It's um, uh, it, it was it's incredible. Really, what you put yourself through uh, on that on that trail record is amazing. But uh, maybe for the listeners who are going to be interested in who you are and want to learn a little bit more, could you tell us who are you, Cole? Uh, what are you famous for? And what do you do really well? Um, well, I'm Carl Meltzer. I've been running ultramarathons since 1996. Uh, my first one was the Wasatch 100, so I jumped right into the long distance. Um, but I've run about 150 ultramarathons. I've won 42 times at the 100-mile distance. Um, I'm real passionate about it. I just I love to get out in the mountains and run, so I, I'm not really specific about how I personally train all the time. But, uh, you know, I'm just a guy who runs through the mountains and uh, enjoys doing what he's doing. Um, my, my nickname is speed goat. Um, I've got a shoe named after me. Um, I've got a race named after me and a couple other things. And, uh, it's really been an honor to, to really have those things come about. I mean, it's kind of, kind of living a dream world. Um, and I've always said that to my wife and, and all my friends too, that, um, life comes at you once. So I'm giving it the best that I can. And ultra running has been my path to, to freedom really. Absolutely. And on, on your website, um, you actually describe yourself as, uh, a uh, a running bum <laughs> which i absolutely yeah. love um and uh, listeners yeah check this out go carlmeltzer.com and uh, uh your your statistics carl are incredible you've really um you are really at that peak aren't you the, um i mean like you say winningest uh, 100 mile runner on earth i love that as well that's brilliant and uh but uh, for for everybody you've got good few videos here but the one that i watched that really got me interested uh was of course um uh, the one, the record-breaking one, made to be broken, um, where you did the Appalachian Trail through hike uh, speed record. So, could you tell us a little bit about what that was like, please? Uh, well, that was a lot of fun, if you can believe that. Trying to travel 20, uh, about 50 miles a day on foot through rugged terrain. Um, the Appalachian Trail, also, you know, we call it the AT. Uh, it's 2,189 miles. There's about 500,000 feet of vertical gain over the course of those miles. So. You know, I went after that record initially in 2008 after I was trying to sort of raise the bar on myself. And I'd won a lot of hundreds and stuff like that up to that point. And then I uh, I wanted to change change my tone a little bit and try to raise the bar. So I made an attempt at it in 2008 um, with a company called Backcountry.com. They were my supporter at the time. And uh, I did finish the trail, but I did not break the record. I missed the record by like a week. I had some injury issues and had to stop. And that's a long story in itself. But uh, 
you know, after that attempt, I sort of stepped back into uh, just racing hundreds again because I really didn't want to lose touch with what my best distance really was. So, um, but then fast forward, I tried again in 2014. I failed. I did not finish, um, but I had one more crack at it after doing a little bit more recon and research and just a little bit better planning, I think, for 2016. And Red Bull was my backer at that at that time in 2016. So um, we made it happen, and thank God they they helped me out a lot with it. Uh, and then the film was sort of uh, something that I wasn't really my plan to make a film. It was Red Bull's idea, but what they did is they really worked with me and let me do my thing as opposed to sort of step in front and say, Hey, you need to be interviewed now, do this, do that. They let me do my thing. And then they filmed it. And I'm really amazed at how many people have seen that film. I'm not just runners. Uh, anyone really, anyone around the world has seen a lot of people around the world have seen it, so to speak. So it's really been an honor to do something like that. Um, will I ever go back again to the AT? Um, the record has now been broken again. So I'm, I'm not actually the fastest one anymore, but uh, I probably won't go back for a speed record, but I hope to plan to do it with my wife um, in a couple years, just to walk it like normal people. <laughs> um, yeah, that should be fun. I mean, I did the long trail this last summer, which is only 20 days, but I got a feel for what through hiking is really about. And, you know, it's not about speed. It's just about walking through the woods. And uh, that's really what I love is just getting out and being in the woods. Absolutely. And uh, uh, yeah, I completely agree. I, I think that I, I'm not I'm not a runner myself, but I really, really did enjoy that sort of documentary film. And, and you can actually tell and, and I, I kind of guess we get that from from Red Bull's position with all their athletes that they are predominantly about the athlete rather than the 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 actual media circus about it and uh I, I think it's been produced really well so i i think all of our listeners uh, if they want to know more about the at record is is check that out uh that's what it, red bull tv on, and on vimeo i believe isn't it carl yeah both those both those outlets it's on it was on netflix for a while i think it was on there for a year but it's off netflix now but red bull tv you can find it fantastic fantastic so let's talk a little bit about your training um for the at record or for in general a total what's it like what's a, a typical week when when you when you've not got an injury look like for you yeah well typically for me um i live in salt lake city or near salt lake city so the mountains here are uh it's the second steepest mountain range in north america including alaska which is kind of hard to believe but that's the truth um so i run on very steep technical rough terrain just about all the time other than winter, winter I'm still running on trails, but it's you know snowpack, so it's a little bit smoother. But uh, my training really for the AT was not really. You would think when you do 50 miles a day, you'd be doing, you'd be logging really huge miles and things like that. But the real training for the AT is between your ears. Um, you know, I do about 70 miles a week during during like my peak time, and with that 70 miles a week, I'm probably gaining about 15,000 feet of gain. So I'm up up the mountain, down the mountain, up the mountain, down the mountain. Um, nothing real specific. I mean, you don't do any speed work to to walk fast on the AT. You're more or less just trying to keep yourself from getting hurt. Um, and that's something on the AT, you never really know what's going to happen. A lot of the times, you know, if you talk to anyone who's through hiked the AT, just walked it, they will tell you that it takes about a month to get your trail legs, three to four weeks to get your trail legs, where all of a sudden nothing really hurts anymore. You know, your shoulders don't hurt too. Another thing, um, I did a lot of recon with the AT this last attempt in 2016, where I drove the entire trail from uh, Maine to Georgia. On two separate occasions, I drove to every road crossing. I did. I documented like where 
where the grocery store was, where where you get water, um, all kinds of uh, logistical things that my crew had to had to know. And that was super helpful when it came down to locations that they were had a hard time finding. They didn't have any hard time finding anything because it was all right there in front of them, you know. So that was really part of the training was just doing the recon and stuff like that. I mean, the, the trail itself is very rugged. It's very rooty and rocky, and it's certainly it's never flat. Um, there's no such thing as flat on the AT, maybe one mile of it through the whole thing. So really, I just trained on the same type of terrain that I would see on the AT. Um, and Utah has a lot of that terrain right out my back door. So, you know, nothing real specific, just logging good miles, keeping myself healthy and doing the recon to help my crew um, do their job. And, you know, many people will totally agree that the crew was 80% of the deal, you know, um, 20% was me. All I had to do was just keep going forward, um, which some days was really hard, but um, the crew really had to know what they were doing. And if you watch the film, You'll see my dad in there. You'll see Scott Jurek, another uh, pretty famous ultra runner. Some of you might know. Eric Bell's the guy with the beard. Um, he's highly entertaining. He's a good old ski bum uh, friend of mine because I used to I moved to Utah to ski actually, not to run, but I turned into a runner more than a skier. But um, you got to have the right friends and people along with you, you know. And the first two times I did it, I really didn't have a perfect setup. It really wasn't right, and I just. Sometimes when I do things, I learn them the hard way, which isn't always the best way. But at the same time, um, you know, it took me three tries to get it right. And with the right crew, I got it right finally. And uh, they were super helpful. I mean, my, having my dad along was really special, too, because, you know, I, I live in Utah. My dad lives in New Hampshire. So um, I don't see my dad every day, you know. So I got to hang out with him um, at least before and after I ran every day. So that was pretty cool. Fantastic. Now, obviously, other than your dad, your support for the actual uh, AT record, was that uh, people that you, you already knew or did you bring people in? How did you bring everybody together and how what was the bonding like? I mean, I presume that there is obviously a lot of training that you did as a group to, to make sure that the, 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 the sort of uh, everybody gelled and the chemistry was good. Right. And so in 2014, Eric bells um who was on the crew for the whole thing in 2016 and my dad also crewed me then so they knew they sort of knew the gig a little bit you know um eric did some of the driving on the trail with me when i did that recon eric also um he also crewed me when i did the uh i ran the pony express trail too from sacramento to st joe missouri and that was 2000 miles as well and eric was crew on about half of that so he knew what he was doing um and Eric actually lived in my house. He rented a room in my house for a number of years while we were both ski bumming up at Snowbird. So when you have a friend like that and you get along great, nothing really bothers either of you, you've probably got a pretty good match. Um, we've, we had some hard times out there, of course. That's part of the deal. But um, Eric knows me. He knows what I like. He knows when to step back. He knows when to step in. Uh, so he was really a special person to have along. And between he and him and my dad um, – Eric was really the captain, so to speak. So he was driving the van. Driving the van. My dad just followed the van. Don't let my dad get lost. That's no good. <laughs> um, but he was uh, he was an incredible addition to it, and he was really what made that made that record happen. He may not say that, but um, I know it. You know, because every time I left the van to keep moving, um, he always set me up perfectly to get going, and it was very quick. You know, he just knew what he was doing, and when you're good friends like that, it's it's it makes things a lot easier. When you know 
whenever I talk to Eric, I'm smiling, you know, he's just a funny guy. And that's the kind of people you want with you the whole time. And we, you know, we planned on him being there the whole time. And that was really important. Um, in 2008, when I did it with backcountry.com, we really didn't know what we were getting into. Um, you know, I knew what the trail was like. The trail parts, it's hard, it's a hard trail, obviously, but the trail is the trail. You know, you can't change that. Um, but no one really knew what we were doing. So they weren't following maps very well. Maine was complicated early because of some, uh, just some logistical stuff. And, you know, we made some mistakes. Having an RV was a mistake. You have, we had a van this, this time in 2016, which made it so much easier, so much less um, baggage, if you want to call it that. So we learned from our mistakes, and then we just, you know, I brought Eric together. My dad couldn't leave. He was just glued to it, so he was all over it. Um, and, and Eric and my dad really make a good team because Eric gets Eric is like my dad's second son. I, I, have, I just have one sister, and Eric is like, he's like my brother, you know. So, and he got along with my dad like, like best friends too. So that was a really good match as well. And then the few others that came along, uh, Scott Jerk at the end, another really good friend of mine who we competed against each other for years um, in the world of ultra running. Scott and I didn't race each other all that much, but we were always kind of at our peak at the same time. So he coming in to help at the end was really special. He actually made, he did a few things out there. Like he located me, he brought stuff into Smoky Mountain National Park where I slept overnight in the park at a shelter where the van access was not possible. And that doesn't sound like that big of a thing, but because Scott did that, that put 16 miles, that put me 16 miles further down the trail than I otherwise would have been, which near the end like that, it made a huge difference. Um, it's hard to explain, but that was, that was a big thing. And then Dave Horton in the center um, in Virginia, he's from Virginia. David has also held the record on the AT at one time in 52 days. Uh, so he knows the whole gig. Um, so, you know, I had people that really knew they knew me and they knew the trail. So that, I mean, the combination of those people are great. I mean, when you go do, try to set an FKT somewhere for a super multi days, you can't just bring in, okay, this guy will work a week, this guy will work the next week, because it takes about a week to sort of train you on the, the routine every morning. You know, when you get up in the morning is like you, you use the, the bathroom wherever that, that may be, which was pretty much the woods. Um, but then, you you know, your routine of getting out the door very quickly was, uh, for me, it was really important. I always had to get out by 5 o'clock a.m., which was my always my goal. And I did that. I mean, there was only a couple days where I went a little bit later than that. Um, the efficiency factor was really important for me to break that record. And, and uh, you know, my dad, Eric, Dave Horton, Scott, my wife, Cheryl, showed up three different times. I mean, that was extra cool. Um, so, I mean, just the combination of people around me was was just the right match. Uh, it'd be hard to match that again fantastic i completely agree i think that's probably a, a key message for anybody that's looking to get in and do something uh, as as big or even even on a, on a sort of fraction of this size is that the support is going to be the absolute key there so yeah thank you thank you for that uh for that um, part of the story, Carl. Um, I want to talk a little bit about just training in general and, and maybe a, a, you're a coach as well. So you probably tell some of your athletes uh, uh, some, of this, uh, some of this stuff. But you mentioned a little bit earlier, what's going on between your ears? Now, I, I mean, I'm, I'm an ultra uh, distance cyclist. So 
Um, again, I could totally agree with you where it really is, barring getting some sort of injury or uh, equipment failure or anything sort of third-party influence. Uh, it, the, the biggest battle is actually what your mentality is like. Um, so I wonder if there's anything that you do in training that helps you uh, prepare. And again, this might be something that you, you've learned now as a coach and, and pass on, but but that you uh, that you would like to, to share with our listeners. Well, I mean... In in training, not every day is going to feel good, right? I mean, I'm sure you know as well, like when you go for a 100-mile ride or further or whatever it is, you're not always going to feel perfectly all the time. And I think you have to accept that fact right off the bat. You know, on day one, you might have a rough patch. I mean, five hours into hiking up Mount Katahdin and back, you might have a rough patch already, which is like, oh, God, I have 2,000 miles to go. I'm a very laid-back person. I really don't let things bother me much. So I think that's a good um, it's a good asset to have when you're doing something really long like that. You have to tell yourself all the time, constantly throughout the day, that it's you know it doesn't always get worse. You know, like just because you uh, you feel bad now, doesn't mean you're going to feel bad five hours from now. I tell myself that when I run all these hundred milers too, because it's pretty rare that you'll have a hundred mile race that you completely nail the whole time. I mean, I've run, I was counting them up the other day, and I had almost 80 hundred milers now, and I think about five of them, I nailed it, you know, where everything was just grand and perfect and I ran a great race. So you have to accept failure. And, you know, one of my great quotes is, is with failure comes greater success. And I constantly believe that, too, because, you know, like I said, I learned from my mistakes and and I learned from my my bad patches or my failures. And I I usually take that information. I kind of bottle it up and 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 remember that, you know, remember that it can get better. And that was a really, you know, again, it was a strong asset for me on the AT and the Pony Express too, because that was two thousand miler as well. Um, you, you've got to, you've got to remember that it's not a perfect world. You know, um, things break down, your body breaks down, your body rebels. Um, you have to push through those things. When I was uh, in 2016 on day 19, I was, I remember where I was. I was on, uh, ah, remember, remember the name of the road. It was in New York, though, and all of a sudden, my one of my shins just decided to to tweak, and that was the turning point of like, okay, okay, Carl, this is this is going to set you back. I was about a full day ahead of record pace. I was kind of following Jen Far Davis's southbound trek where she was when she set the record, so I sort of knew like where I had to be all the time. And by doing that, um, I just knew where I had to be. But what happened in New York? All of a sudden, my I think I think it was my right shin. It just felt like it felt like, you know, the guitar string broke. Right. So all of a sudden it was super painful. And I was like, oh, boy, here we go. And at that point of the trail, I was just about moving into Pennsylvania, which is also called Rocksylvania. And there's rocks on the whole trail. But Pennsylvania is particularly uh, everything's just sharp, nasty rocks. It's very stumbly. Um, Walking fast is very hard because it's just not you can't get into a rhythm. It's just really tough. And that was a really tough place to get hurt because I had to push through, you know, 40, maybe four, I did about 40 miles a day through Pennsylvania when I was, my shins were so bad, I still muscled through it. And ironically, after about a week, I left the rocky section of Pennsylvania and all of a sudden that pain sort of went away, uh, which, which is kind of strange. But at the same time, uh, you know, I just mentally said, Carl, you're going to give it everything you have here. This is probably the last time you're going to make this attempt. So, you know, don't give up now. You still have, you know, 1,100 miles to go. 
just you know stay in, stay in the moment and don't and don't uh, don't worry so much about what you're going to feel like tomorrow. Just worry about now. And I just that's kind of how I treated the whole thing. It's all about now, not. 10 days, where am I going to be? 20 days, where will I be? It was all about, I was trying to stay in the moment. And uh, I think that helped me a lot. And you, you have injuries like that. I, th- I don't think, Karel Sabi, the guy who has the record now, he, I spoke with him and he broke it a couple years ago and, or two years ago or one year ago. And he he said he never had a bad day. You know, he never really had a an issue where that really slowed him down. And that's, that's really special. That was really ironic that nothing really happened to him. Scott Jurek, when he broke the record the year before me, he had quad issues. He had hamstring issues. He had shin issues. Uh, but he muscled it out, too. Um, Scott is as tough as they come, too, between the ears. I think that's why Scotty and I have both won a lot of hundreds, you know, because it's what between what's between your ears. Um, Carell never had any problems, so hats off to him for that. But uh, you got to just be able to muscle through it, you know. I mean, if you're going to do something – you try to give it your best, right? I mean, especially something, an endeavor like that that's so large. Uh, you, you can't give up one day because it's all over because you lose a, you, if you lose a full day, then you're going to have problems. So you just have to push on through the injuries and keep moving. That's just how things how things roll in the AT. Um, the old mother AT has always been, I, I used to call, call it the old mother AT, and I won't use any uh, vulgar words on that, <laughs> but uh, you can imagine what I'm about to say. But the bottom line is, um, you know, she kept biting back and she keeps knocking you down and keeps punching at you. And uh, you just got to punch back, you know, um, and all of a sudden it was like, well, we're already in Tennessee and Fontana Dam. And we were, you know, four or five days out. And it was like, boom, this is almost over already. And it goes by fast, you know, I mean. When, when I do long things, you just blink, I just say, Carl, just blink and it'll be over. Um, and boom, it was like, then it was over. You know, the next day I didn't even know what to do. Like, I wanted to go hike somewhere. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to, it's weird. I didn't want to sit down. I just kind of like, well, well, what do I do today? You know? Um, but if, and it felt good to be done, don't get me wrong, but it's kind of that addiction. I was, I was so trained and used to doing what I was doing that um, I just wanted to keep going. Fantastic. I mean, you you mentioned the the thought there, um, sort of during the, the 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 run itself was that, or the the through hike itself was that you didn't that you thought that you weren't going to get another uh, attempt at doing this. Uh, was that your initial um, uh, motivation, or did you have some other kind of uh, reasoning for for taking it on? Well, I, I mean, like, like I said, you know, I, I had sort of unfinished business. You know, I, I had tried. 2008, it was a failure, and that's okay. I finished the trail, and I was really happy I pressed on to finish the trail. I had four days off, and I finished it. So that was sort of, you can almost sort of call that success. But then when I went in 2014, um, I sort of mentally, I, I sort of mentally broke down, and I I fell behind where I needed to be, but I probably, I wasn't that far behind. I was about a day behind, you know? But what happens is at the very end, you just, you don't stop when you have a hundred miles to go. You just keep walking and you make up that time. But I lost it between my ears. Um, and once you do that, it was, I just, I'm like, I, you know, yeah, it was killing me. You know, the funny thing is right after 2014, when I did it, um, I was speaking with my manager at Red Bull and he was about three weeks after I did that. And he's like, well, it's like, Hey, do you want to go after it one more time next year? And I said, no way am I going back to that trail. I'm not going back to that stupid trail. Um, but then I thought about it a little bit longer and I said, you know, 
I have one more opportunity to do this and I'm going to just put more effort into the, like I said, the recon, I mentioned that earlier. I spent the entire time, I didn't go in 2015. I went and helped Scott Jurek help him break the record. I helped him get back on track when he fell behind. And I wasn't doing it to learn from Scott. I just did it because Scott's a friend and I went to help him and I love being on the AT. So that was pretty easy for me to jump in my van and go help him. But I learned from, you know, I still learned from him a little bit on that too. And a lot of that was real mental toughness because he was, he was struggling in a lot of days where he had to, where it was 10 at night and he still had, you know, 14, 15 miles to go to reach his point and he would press on. Um, and you want, when you want to go to bed. So I learned a little bit of that mentally. And then, uh, and then when 2016 came along, my motivation was dude, get it done. You know, this is, I was in good shape when I started, I was fit. I really focused my whole year on it. I didn't just kind of run races and then say, okay, well, a couple of weeks I'm starting the AT. I didn't race at all until, I didn't race at all. My last race was, I think, the beginning of April, and then I did it in end of July. So I gave my entire time of just training my miles in the hills and the mountains, and I was ready this time. And I was ready really mentally, which was, again, super helpful that I just was going to give it everything that I had. Fantastic. That's, that's really awesome, man. Um, I guess moving this on to, to what would be your key message or messages for those who are thinking of getting into any form of like ultra ultra marathon, ultra trail run, ultra bike, anything like that. What what would be uh, like your number one, maybe let's say number one thing you would tell somebody who's just thinking about it? Well, it, David Horton has this quote, but it never always gets worse. And I know I mentioned that already, but um, you've got to be specific. You've got to, you know, train on the terrain that you're going to race on or to try to set an FKT on, you know, it's easy to say rely on others, but I'm the kind of guy that doesn't really rely on other people. Um, but I learn things when I learn things and want to do them my way, I, I do it my way. And I think for a lot of people, it's good to ask people, other people for advice. You know, this is why I, when I coach people, it's not all about run this, run this specifically, do this all the time. Sometimes it's just like, Hey, you know, just because it's raining outside doesn't mean you can't go run. You know, it's the motivation to get someone out the door a lot of times. And that's, that's really important with coaching, I think too, because it's not just the miles you put in. It's about the motivation to, to feel that you're, you're confident and can be successful. Um, you've got to have confidence. If you go into a race, there's a lot of times when, when runners will go into a race and they're, Oh, I'm under trained or I haven't trained enough. Have I done enough miles? Have I done the speed work? All these questions you can go through your head, but you have to just go and get step on the start line with confidence. If you don't have confidence, then you're already, you've already beat yourself over the head with a hammer a couple of times. That's no good. But either way, um, confidence is a really big thing with ultra running. You have to remember that it's going to be hard. You know, I have a tagline where I say a hundred miles is not that far. And I, I tell myself that at every race, I mean, every hundred miler that I've run, it's like, I'm in the twenties, I'm in the thirties and the forties, the sixties, the eighties, all of a sudden it's done. Um, You've got to you've got to remember that um, it's going to hurt. Don't kid yourself. I don't care how much training you do. No matter how fast um, Jim Walmsley runs the Western States 100 or Killian Jornet goes up Everest, it's going to hurt. Um, but you have to accept the challenge and then drive to be successful. You know, it's just it's it, to me it's simple to say that, and then it's hard for some people to understand that. But that's just how my brain works. I'm I'm kind of wired that way where. I'm usually going to give it all that I have. And if I fail, then well, it's I failed. Then I just like, you know, toss it into the rubbish barrel and, and move on. I'm very good at that too. If I have a bad race or a bad, you know, that 2014 time at AT, I just, 
when I drove home, sure, I was a little bummed that I didn't succeed, but um, I was like, oh, forget about it. You know, um, a lot of my friends asked me, well, how do you feel now that you came home and you didn't succeed? I said, so well, what are you talking about? I don't even know what you're talking about. You know, I just kind of like put it behind me and move forward. And that's, I do that with anything I do in life. Um, if something goes wrong, I just, I put it behind me instead of thinking and worrying about what happened before and something that you can't really change, you know. But you can Absolutely. change it moving forward. So you have to think forward all the time. Absolutely. Completely agree with you there, Carl. I think that one of the things you kind of mentioned earlier was uh, was about mistakes. And uh, I love, I can't remember who the quote is by, but I, I love the quote that it's only a mistake if you don't learn from it. Um, right. And I, I totally agree with that there and everything that you say and is about that. It's We don't need to dwell on any of the problems or challenges that we've faced in our pasts, but we do learn from them. And that's what drives us to be better athletes or better human beings even uh, in mm -hmm. total. So, um, Carl, now usually, mate, why I usually give uh, our guest a bit of time to think of a, a challenge. We, we set our uh, Facebook group, our Spokes Performance uh training advice facebook group a challenge that ties in with every uh podcast that we do so i was uh, thinking we could put a challenge together between us that might be around confidence have you got anything that maybe you've got that we could challenge our uh listeners and our members of our facebook group to over the next week to to kind of feel really confident in their ability um i mean have a positive attitude you know i think how negative attitude always drives you down, you know, no matter whether your friends have a negative attitude or you negative attitudes, you can feel the vibe, you know, um, you've just got to stay positive. And, I don't, you know, it's not really the answer to the question, but it's to challenge yourself. If you really want to challenge yourself, you have to set a goal. If you if you set a goal, then achieve it, you know, don't know that it's going to be hard goals. If you set a goal, that's maybe a little out of your comfort zone. Um, that's when you have to sit back and say, well, well, no kidding. It's pouring or it's hailing outside or whatever it's doing. I'm going to go suck it up and do it. You know, suck it up, buttercup. Like you, you got to go out and do stuff. If you're going to be successful, whatever you do, whether it's building a stone wall or doing the Appalachian Trail, um, you have to accept the challenge and, and fight it, you know, and fight the demons from turning you away. I mean, there's so many demons in, in, in ultra running because – if you watch, if you go to a hundred mile race and you watch everyone from the front runner to the to the to the back of the pack, demons are all sitting on top of their heads, telling them, "Oh, you should stop. Oh, take a break. Oh, slow down." But you got to fight the demons, you know. I mean, they will beat you into the ground. Um, I just fight back. I'm a fighter, you know. Um, people, if you got to do something, you want to succeed, you've got to fight off the demons, and that's. The challenge is always there. You can always challenge or something to get out of your comfort zone. We all have challenges. I could challenge myself to go ride my road bike 200 miles. You know, hurt, I could probably do it, but um, my neck would hurt like crazy. <laughs> but I'd fight it all. You know, I bet it would, you know, more than my legs. Um, I would challenge myself and say, well, you knew this was going to happen. Just deal with it, you know, and just blink and it'll be over. Um, time, time goes by fast, you know. I mean, I'm 52 now, and I I can remember the, the drive that I – went to the Wasatch 100 start line. When I first went to that first ultra marathon, I had absolutely no clue what I was doing. I think I was running probably 35 miles a week maybe. And I thought, I didn't think necessarily that that was enough, but that challenge was real. And I was like, well, what am I getting, my, what am I getting myself into here? Go figure, I'm leading the race at mile 39 um, with one of the runner, two of us were leading. And uh, then the wheels came off. 
But never once in that race did I say, oh, I'm going to quit. Because I set the challenge to finish the damn thing, and I and I finished it. You know, I finished it in 28 hours. I came in 28th place or something. And I said I'd never do it again. But two days later, I was like, where do I sign up? And that's, mm-hmm. pretty, that's pretty typical, you know, I think, for endurance events. But uh, when you accept the challenge, you have to – you know, not finishing your challenge is your failure. Um, it doesn't matter how fast it is. It's just a matter of getting it done and being successful. And you always will feel better if you finish it. And believe me, there was a lot of 100-milers that I finished that I didn't win. And I finished, you know, I walked it in or something like that. I walked in Western States twice, two out of three times um, I walked in. And the other time I dropped out. So I had no success there. But um but I was really happy when I when I finished the race, even though I had a terrible last 30 miles, I still was happy because I challenged myself to get the thing done and I did it. And you have to have to accept challenges. If you want to if you want to be good at something, you can't expect it to be an easy ride. I love that. And I think actually we've got or I've got a great idea. That we can challenge our uh, listeners and our uh, uh, members of our uh, Facebook group. Uh, I would love for listeners to write down what your biggest demon is. Now, uh, that could be wind. You don't like riding or running when there's a very bad headwind or maybe it's the rain or running out of energy, bonking, as we, we call it. Um, I want you to write that down. If you're in our Facebook group, post it to the Facebook group. Be vulnerable. Uh, and then at the next opportunity you have, I want you to go out there and I want you to tackle that. So if you're if you're on your bike and you hate a headwind, the next time it's blowing a, re- a real wind, obviously remain safe, but go out there and head into it and then conquer that demon. How does that sound, Carl? That's that's perfect. I mean, if you can conquer the demon, then believe me, you're ahead of the curve. Um, and it's a great example with the bike into a headwind. No one runs to r- ride into a 20-mile-an-hour headwind, right? It's, it's a nightmare. It's like you're going nowhere. Um, you can just turn around and just coast, you know, with the wind at your back. But you have to fight it. I mean, there were many times I've gone for runs where I'm going up the mountains, and instead of taking the easy route, I'll take the hard route because I'm having a bad day. So make yourself suffer. You have to make yourself suffer to really be successful in, when you're racing or even in training. I mean, suffering is... If you can beat the suffering, then, you know, you're 95% ahead of most people. So that is, you gotta, you got to write down the demons. I mean, send it into the Facebook group and see what people say. And it'll be a pretty interesting conversation to see what people's demons really are, especially on a bike. I mean, yeah, it, it I, happens, you know. I, I completely agree. We have got a lot of, we are predominantly a cycling and triathlon-based uh, group, but there are a lot of runners. I, I coached a guy this year. Uh, a guy named Guy, actually, a very good friend as well, and he uh, he rode his bike between the the three Welsh peaks, the highest uh, the highest peaks, which aren't aren't massive in in comparison to what you you run up, uh, Carl. But he he biked between each three, hiked up each one, and set the the world record for that this year. So um, he will be, I'm very sure, probably your biggest fan following this if he's not already, mate. Nice. <laughs> um, awesome. So, Carl, uh, as we wrap this up. Um, obviously listeners check check out for more information check out carlmeltzer.com uh and uh, obviously of course the the made to be broken uh sort of documentary on on the at record uh but carl what is next for you well i will hope to win another 100 miler this year i've had 17 years in a row of winning at least one i don't know what, what one that will be um right now i just want to get my training back to my normal volume you know like I said, I ran three miles today just because my IT bands didn't bother me. But that will come. Um, and again, I'm, I'm kind of fighting that demon. It was kind of hitting me in the knee saying, this is hurts. 
but uh, I'll fight that off. Um, but I, I might do the long trail this summer as something different as, as in a fast attempt at it. Yeah, I might yo-yo it where you go back and forth. So it, it's a total of 573 miles. That's on the on my radar. And then uh, other than that, really just to keep chasing chasing 100 miles, you know. I mean, I finished, I've now finished 68, and I was thinking I'd kind of like to finish 100 of them before my career's over. And that's still 32 more, but um, I'm kind of chasing that. I could do six or eight of them this year and just, you know, keep accumulating that. Uh, but really is to stay healthy and just enjoy doing what I'm doing, what I like to do. I play a lot of golf, too. Um so I'm, my goal this summer was to was to break par, and I shot even par. I missed it by one shot, but uh, you know I just have strange goals like that. I mean, I just like to live my life the way I like to. I don't really let others tell me what to do. My wife doesn't really tell me what to do. She kind of lets me do what I want, uh, which is great. Um, I don't have to ask her any questions. Um, I just want to live a happy life and be healthy, and that's really. At my age now, that's sort of my goal is to be able to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, being still running professionally at 52 is pretty rare. I think there aren't many sports where athletes are 52 years old um, and still doing it professionally. So I'd like to – I'm good for next year. I'll still be a pro next year. So um, I just want to kind of continue that and see how long that can go. That's a big goal of mine. And then, uh, you know, and I'll ride it out and just ride out having fun my goal is really to have fun in life because when you're dead you're dead seinfeld said it the best when you're <laughs> yeah. dead you're dead so wherever you go after you die that's up to you but as far as i'm concerned it's not going anywhere so that's just me um so i just want to live my life as well as i can before before that day happens fantastic honestly carl it's been an absolute pleasure having you on and getting to know you a little bit more um i'm I would love to have you back on again. I've already thought of one or at least one, maybe two different topics we could talk about. Um, so if you'll come back, we would love you back. Um, and again, thank you for giving up your time. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to come back. Just let me know. And hopefully I'll be on time this time. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. And listeners, as always, thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. If you've enjoyed uh, this episode of Bespoke, please make sure that you share it with your friends. Leave us a little like or a comment. And uh, definitely do not forget to subscribe because uh, among having Carl back, we'll have uh, a whole host of other uh, excellent and well-knowledgeable guests uh, on the show. Uh, thank you, everybody. My name is Pat Bryan. I'm Performance Director and Co-Founder here at Spokes and you've been listening to Bespoked.